Leadership Institute podcast. Today we are rounding out our speaker-to-speaker conversations. Kelly Cardenas chats with Carla Riger about helping servant leaders find resilience when faced with obstacles in the workplace. Carla is the CEO of the Artistry of Change Training Inc. We are excited to have both of these great leaders on stage for the 2019 Servant Leader Conference. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For those of you listening, guys, we're on the uh, Servant Leadership Institute podcast, and I'm so excited to be able to uh, get to spend some time with Carla today. Um, will you briefly tell everyone uh, what you do when it comes to servant leadership, Carla? Well, I, I help servant leaders and, and especially emerging servant leaders be more resilient in the face of the kind of obstacles and pushback they experience, especially if they're trying to bring a servant leadership style into an environment where people are used to that more traditional style of leadership. And I help them with the communication strategies that help get past, you know, skepticism, doubt, resistance in their listeners. That's incredible that you get a chance to be able to do that. What are some of the biggest challenges, like when you're doing those things, um, when you're helping them uh, to, you know, go to that next level of servant leadership, what do you think are some of the uh, top almost kind of pain points that a person goes through um, that you have to help them through um, when you're working with them? Well, I find there's the self-doubt. You know, a lot of what I do with people, as you do too, I know, because I've been looking at your book and your videos, is it's that inner game stuff. It's the what you say to yourself. So there's a lot of self-doubt, especially if you're in an environment in which that servant leadership style is newer and, you know, people aren't used to it. You have to sort of really believe in yourself and what you're doing and keep stepping out of the box, even with people kind of invalidating what you're doing. So I think that's one of the big ones. And then dealing with, um, yeah, pushback and, and people trying, like, how do you communicate in a way that you don't just start, you know, headbutting with someone and get into a big conflict, but just sort of win them over or help them see another point of view and be collaborative, that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, like, what is your philosophy on how, how to open people's minds to these new ideas? Because, I mean, servant leadership when when at its core is exactly contradictory to the way that normal business runs right so when i look at normal business i have i have had business partners in the uh, past i had one say to me i don't care if there's any culture at all as long as we're making money and the only reason why you would be in business is to make money that's the only reason why you should have a business anyway we're not here and we're not a charity we're not a nonprofit so when you go into these servant leadership situations and you want to be able to transform what type, I mean, what's your philosophy on, on, uh, you know, opening people's minds to those new ideas? Yeah. Well, like any good servant leader would do, (laughs) I find leading them to make up their own mind about it is much better. That persuasive voodoo tricks of manipulation get immediate results, but end up costing you down the line. 
I was consulting with a client who worked in a very toxic work environment, lots of passive aggressive behavior, gossip, leaders undermining other team leaders, just as you were saying, that sort of bottom line is the only thing that matters. And we worked together on a kind of motivational speech she was going to give to the leaders on her team where she simply told stories. I think stories are really powerful of other companies and the fallout of certain kinds of behavior, which were their kinds of behavior, but she wasn't pointing to anyone on her team. She just told the stories in a way that people put themselves in the stories and kind of got this lived out this future potential timeline that wasn't good. And, you know, it was really based on, on facts, right? And then she did a comparison story of a certain leadership organization uh, of, that was very, um, had that servant leadership style and illustrated really the long and short-term benefits of that style by telling, but it had to be the specific details of how that played out in the lives of the leaders uh, and, you know, the people that they served and the end users of that company. For example, being able to attract and keep good employees who were really sensitive to workplace culture and would value that even more than salary and you train them and have them on your team, but they didn't like how people were being with each other and then would leave, right? That's something nobody really wants. Absolutely. So what about like, what are some of the mistakes that uh, that you want to avoid when you're trying to open people's minds to servant leadership approach? You you had said uh, right off the bat that you were talking about the kind of almost voodoo or <laughs> Jedi mind trick um, situation <laughs> that people have the tendency to use. And my, I, I think I told you before, my wife uses that Jedi on me all the time. Um, <laughs> she gets me to think that it's my idea. And then before I know it, I realize that, wow, maybe this was Maybe maybe I've been you know kind of bamboozled or tricked into it. So uh, you know, outside of that, what are some of the things that you want to avoid um, when you're taking this servant leadership approach? Yeah, well, yeah, as you say, that's one of them. I, I mean, there, it's sort of a a fine line, right? There's because the story technique, and we have an academy called Mind Story Academy, where stories really open people's minds to new ideas but only if they put themselves in the story and they see from their own state of mind and values that it is better to make a new decision, that they have to have made it from their own sense of authority. If they make it based on fear that they'll be fired or fear that of something, then it doesn't have that long lasting effect, right? You just have people choosing a, a way out of you know avoiding something bad and so it has to be because they believe in it it has to come from an intrinsic value within them so you have to sort of understand what's important to people and and so if it is the bottom line you know you could use that example of keeping a good employee because if you lose them it's going to cost a lot of time and energy and money to find another person who, again, might leave because the, the workplace culture is toxic. And so that, you know, you're appealing to their value system. So that's one example. So what are, what are some of the things that you do as far as being able to draw that out of somebody? Because, 
you know, it would be it would be awesome. Like I, I as I'm thinking about this, I would love to be able to uh, basically get a whiteboard and make people wear it on their chest every day to work and have all the list of the things that will their 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 touch points, right? The things that they would love. And if they had that whiteboard on, I would walk up and I'd look at it and I'd be like, wow, okay, well, you like a pat on the back or. Um, so, but you seem to be a genius in this. And when we've talked earlier, I mean, hearing the way that you draw such greatness out of people, what are some of the things that, that we can do as, I mean, I think of you as that, that elite, like you, you are on another level. I mean, you, you draw these things out of people. What about for the common person or the person that is maybe never experienced servant leadership? How can they help to where maybe some questions that they could draw um, the best or, you know, draw these things out of people so we then we know what their desires are so we can help to be able to, uh, you know, construct their future for them as opposed to us imparting it in, into them. Yeah, that's a really great uh, question. And then I do talk about that when I, when I speak is I think just getting some really strong questions kind of memorized, especially in the face of somebody saying something that triggers you, you know, like if they're complaining about you or, something you've done or said it's so easy to start to get defensive and so one question i think that is really good like say you put out an idea that comes from a more servant leadership philosophy and somebody shoots it down they go oh that'll never work here you know that's not where we come from here so instead of getting defensive and saying well i think it works and here's why is to ask this question I call it the million dollar question because anyone I've ever taught this question to says it's changed their life. You say, what's happened that makes you say that? And obviously you change the wording depending on the context of the conversation, but it was, it's something like, like, Oh, you don't think that's a good idea. Oh, what leads you to say that? And you know, as often we think we know why people are shutting down our ideas, but often you don't really know. And that's how you find out the underlying values. And, and you know, they might say, well, that's going to affect our bottom line. Or, or we had somebody last year who, who took that approach and it really didn't work out. And then you find out, oh, why didn't it work out? And and then you can, then you can unpack it and kind of get down to, you know, they might be mistaken as to why it didn't work and, and you can find a way to make it work. If you ask that question, what's happened that made you say that? Or what's motivating you to say that? In a really neutral tone of voice, that's the big thing. Like if you say it defensively, then it doesn't work. But if you say it neutrally, you can get underneath their values. You sort of trick them into finding out their values, their, their what's driving them to do the leadership style that we're doing. So that's one example. I told you, Carla, that you have Jedi. So, uh, Carla, let's get back into this. What uh, What is one quick tool that you could share with us now that would help all of our listeners out there? I mean, but I want you to give one quick tool, and then I want you to give us a way that we can uh, start to perfect our Jedi, because you have Jedi. I watched this in the last <laughs> conversation that we had. You had Jedi. Like, you got me thinking on a completely different level. So give us one tip, and then help us to be able to get Jedi, too. Yeah, well, I'm a big believer in getting people on that you lead to explore why they do what they do. You probably do this with people. Because, you know, some of these people, especially if it's like a frontline kind of role, it's just, well, I'm doing it for the money or, you know, my friend got me the job, right? And But that doesn't really help people even when the going gets tough, right? If you just did it for the money, people will tend to quit. 
or bring a bad attitude to work. But if you can help people get underneath, why do they do, you know, all the jobs you could have taken, you know, like why this one, right? Oh, it's two blocks from my house. Okay, is there anything else, right? Like, oh, you know, like, I'm sure you have this with people in your hair salons. It's like, well, I love, you know, working with new hair. I love the beauty. I love the people. I love the interaction, you know, and, and so helping people just like anchor into, you know, what they they love about the job outside of the money and the convenience of it. But I find that then, A, you get to find out what sort of people's drivers are, and then you can help them grow in the organization based on what's important to them. Now, I know that's a pretty basic servant leadership kind of thing to do, but I, I find people forget to do it. And so, you know, one thing I share when I speak is just a, a quick one-page little process to help people really look at a bunch of list of values and what, what are their values like? You know, for me, I always want to have a fun work environment, right? I want people to joke around. Like, I probably love working with someone like you, Kelly, because you like to laugh and, <laughs> and, you know, and be silly with people. And for me, that's really important, right? If people are playful, you know, I will go to the ends of the earth to hang around with people like that. And so th then you know that, right? And then you can make sure you keep things fun at work for those people. So that's one thing. Well, I think that's and now how about the Jedi? You 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 weren't telling us about the Jedi. You're just keeping that close close to your cuff because you want, <laughs> you want to have that. And what's what's your definition of Jedi? Well, it's I mean you Jedi. know that you've done this before. You've been with your man for eight years. You've had an idea that you want to go to. You got two restaurants that he's saying he wants to go to one. You want to go to the other. And there's a way that you get him to think that he wants to go to the one that you want to go to. This happens in every relationship, Carla. And <laughs> and I'm trying to find out. This has nothing to do with servant leadership. This has all to do with my relationship. I got a wife and I want to find out this because sometimes I want to go to In-N-Out. Like sometimes I want to go to In-N-Out and I always go to Chick-fil-A and I am always happy at Chick-fil-A, but I want to find out what are some of the technique that you use to get your man to do what you want him to do and not think that he is uh, being, um, you know, that, that it's not his, that now it's his idea and not yours. Oh, yeah. Well, like, I always want to go to seafood places, and he always wants to go to a good steak place. So if I want him to go to the seafood place, you know, probably what I do is you pull up the menu, and I go, wow, look at the steak they have here at the seafood place. <laughs> I don't know. That's just the only thing that comes to me. Look at the decor, and yeah, oh, it's only two blocks away. I don't know. I would just do that basic thing maybe i do something else jedi but i don't subconsciously know or i don't <laughs> consciously know what it is it's a subconscious it's you know like you were saying that it's like women have that certain smile or <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah absolutely you have a certain have tone certain <laughs> yeah you have that tone you have the, um, generally women have that tone with each other though like they have the like when you guys go two octaves up i know that you guys aren't telling the truth <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> When you're talking okay. with your friend and she asks you to go to a party and you're like, well, we'll see. You know you ain't going to that party. So um, it, there's just tells in that way. So, uh, you know, how about as far as, you know, within the servant uh, servant leadership aspect of it? Because I think that you're such a, um, you know, you, you travel internationally. You train people all over the world, um, you know, and this becomes a way of life. Like a servant leadership for you isn't just about, hey, I'm going to teach a course, but this is a way of life. Tell me how this 
sometimes can bleed into our relationships and sometimes can get us in trouble. And I was talking with Brian this uh, with this uh, the other day that sometimes we'll go into technique base and I do this in my own relationship when I'm I can coach my the people in my company and I'm looking for challenges or whatever it is and I can say okay based off the servant leadership here's the nine principles and this is what I can do. Sometimes I transfer that into my relationship and I get in trouble because I'm coming more from a technique base as opposed to uh, listening. Do you get in those times and because you and your husband are both trainers, do you guys have conversations that you find yourself almost like having to back out of that and, and connect? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because we're both motivational speakers and we're both coaches. I actually remember I was a member of National Speakers Association and there was a whole uh, group for of spouses of motivational speakers and they had this little support group of how you know it drove them crazy when their spouse was trying to use one of their motivation techniques on them funny uh so but yeah because we both are he's the first person i've been in a relationship with that does the same thing as i do for a living so we 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 catch each other out Uh, the next question i have for you is when will you be speaking at the conference I'm speaking on the 4th in the morning. Wow. So you're right off the bat. I mean, we get you right off the bat. Yeah. People often put me right in the morning, I guess, because I do a lot of things to kind of wake people up and get them laughing and getting in a good, like, interaction with other people mode. Because, you know, people come all the way out to the conference and then sometimes they just get all shy and they don't go out and meet new people. So just help that process along a bit. So what do you do? What do you do in your process, uh, Carla? Like, what do you do in the morning? Because you're going to be speaking in the morning. What do you do to get yourself hyped? I asked Ken the other day, and he just said, you know, I I always keep the business and play that line blurred, and then I I don't really have to get myself motivated. And I thought that was awesome. I I, I hope to get there. Uh, for me, I run a mile. I drink a green juice, and I eat a, a Honeycrisp apple. And um, so. <laughs> For our listeners out there, what are you going to be doing in the morning to get hyped? And what type of music are you going to listen to? Are you going to be listening to like NWA? Um, <laughs> are you going to listen to some gangster rap before you start off? What are you going to do? Oh, you're a man after my own heart. I drink a green juice and a honey crisp apple. That's and you too. listen to NWA? No. Oh, okay. No. All, right. all right. I was about no. to say, Carla, we were going to be best friends if that was. Are you a hip hop fan at all? You know, a little bit. I actually used to dance hip-hop. What? Um, yeah, I used to take hip-hop classes and stuff like that until, you know, you bash your knees out from doing all those knee things. <laughs> what is your really... jam? Like, what is your song that when you hear it, you're, uh, that hip-hop song that you're getting on the dance floor and Carla <laughs> is knocking it out? Well, uh, hip-hop, well, of course, this was a while ago, so we're talking 90s That's okay. Huh? That's 90s hip-hop. That's the best hip-hop. It's the golden age of hip-hop. Am I correct? That was there the it golden is. age Yes, it was. So tell it? us your song. Uh, well, I don't know, just something like, can't touch this, you know, like Yes. Like that. Okay, so Hammer. <laughs> Hammer would be yeah. all right. Okay. Some people wouldn't but, refer to that as hip-hop, but that's okay, no, Carla. No, it, but, actually, everyone's going to roll their eyes when I say this, but I used to be in musical theater. So for me, musical theater. Really? <laughs> I, okay. Because I'll sing and I'll dance because it warms your voice up as a speaker. Oh. And, you know, if you get in your body and you're moving. So for me, you know, right now I'm into the greatest showman tunes because that just came out and... Uh, I don't care if anyone hears me because that just makes me happy. So 
when we're talking about servant leadership, it's so easy to roll off the tongue for, for yourself or myself and, and the speakers that are at the conference and things like that. And that's the reason why we're there. But tell us about some times where maybe you didn't, I mean, maybe you ran into a challenge where, you know, you had to really go to servant leadership where your your instincts told you you want to go the other way. And I can tell you for myself, you know, I, I had this happen the other day. I had a, a scenario in our salon and, um, you know, it didn't it didn't jive with me well. And I wanted to seriously like I, I was uh, it was actually a. Um, it was a powwow. We were doing a video powwow. I saw a girl on the powwow, and she had uh, what I call doo-doo face. And we have a, 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 a concept in our company that's called 70 and Sunny, meaning that when someone asks you how you're doing, it's always 70 and Sunny. You don't really tell them how you're doing. That's not what we're asking. We drop everything at the door, right? So we have a, a, a fictitious uh, trash can outside, and you drop all your stuff, that empty the dustpan before you come in. And when you come in, when someone asks you, it's 70 and sunny, meaning that you fall in love with your circumstances exactly where they are as opposed to trying to change them. Does that make sense? So right. when I was doing this powwow, I looked in the screen and the girl had what I call doo-doo face. And you know what doo-doo face is. And I asked her, I said, uh, you know, hey, you dropped something. And she said, oh, what? She started looking around. I said, your smile. And I wanted to, the, the normal part of me wanted to just, go at it right away. Like, you know, our concept, you know, the philosophy, honestly, like you have a really bad attitude right now. And we need to go towards this. Obviously, that's not servant leadership. (laughs) That's, that's, that's normal person. And I wanted to go there. Can you give us an example of maybe when in the, you know, last couple months, or maybe it's weeks, or maybe it was yesterday, that you wanted to go to that place, and you actually had to wrangle yourself back? Yes, actually, this is a funny, weird thing. (laughs) I was, I get, I'm usually really great, don't have doo-doo face, until I'm traveling, and especially if there's big, you know, traffic and lineups at the airport and security and everything, and I'm running late for the flight, I tend to get locked into the survival brain, you know, and I start pushing through the crowd and being, you know, not my nicest self. And so I was racing to get speak at this conference in LA, and I, I... I got finally through security, you know, just a few minutes to spare. And I grabbed some cashews at the, you know, the little store and because I'm starving. You know, also when you're hungry, I think you don't act your best. Uh, the survival brain tears when I was hungry. And so I grab these cashews and I sit down in the departure lounge and I, uh, my phone was beeping, you know, all these text messages I had to deal with. And I put the cashews down on this little table between me uh, and, you know, there's this other person sitting there. And I get on there and I'm doing all my text messages. And then the woman beside me picks up my cashews, opens them and starts to eat them. Yes. And I I so just wanted to say to her, hello, those are mine. But I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. She just took your cashews. Did she look at you while she was doing it? Because that would have been gangster. So (laughs) I, I, she didn't. She just took them and started eating them. And I look over at her and I, I decide to smile. And so she looks over at me and smiles, and she offers some to me. Oh my gosh! So instead of saying something, I took some cashews and I ate. I go, thank you very much. And then she eats some more, and then she offers me some more, and we go back and forth, and we're eating our cashews in silence until they're all gone. Wow. 
And I think, okay. And then we get in line to get on the flight and she's next to me. And so I just started chatting her up because I thought, what kind of woman steals another person's cashews? And we start chatting. Anyways, long story short, it turns out she ended up referring me because she asked what I did. She ended up referring me to a client who hired me and we ended up getting along really well. And uh, of course, then I took my seat and I'm sitting there going through my carry-on bag to get some stuff out. And guess what I find in my carry-on bag? Cashews? My bag cashews. Oh my gosh. So you thought, <laughs> you thought. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Like, that's how flustered I was. I put them in my bag and thought. I put them on the table next to me. But she had bought the same cashews and these were hers. So what do you, what do you think the toughest thing about, uh, you know, when you go out and you're, you're motivating other people, you're inspiring other people, all those things? Where are you getting filled up and how do you go? Because a lot of times in, in what it is that we do, um, you know, we're pouring out into people. Right. So we're constantly pouring out. We're pouring out, pouring out. And it's almost my dad says it. It's almost like a like a say like a battery. And when we go to a a conference or we go to a place, then people hook their jumper cables to us as the battery and they get what they need. And sometimes those people are left where, you know, I've been around some speakers and and when they're done, they're almost uh, not depleted in a bad way, but they're kind of almost depleted. What do you do to be able to charge yourself back up? What do you do to, um, to, you know, regenerate and to be able to gain that inspiration? The person who's inspiring like yourself, where do you get inspiration? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I... That's all I have, Carla, is great questions here. (laughs) I know, you're going to ask me. Well, some good examples. Well, I've been speaking for years, plus I coach other speakers because, you know, they came to me over here and said, how do I do what you do? And, uh, and so I, uh, I think that's a really, really important thing. Whether you're a speaker or a leader, it's really easy to get depleted. One thing I do is I do, um, this is going to sound a little woo-woo and out there, but I actually put up a kind of energetic protection around myself too, so that when I'm giving, it's coming back to me. Like it's not, it's, it's a two way thing. Like I'm getting fed by the audience. The audience is getting fed by me that I, I create that sort of agreement that I'm not sort of this well of, of finite energy that they can then take from. And I'm tapping into what I consider to be sort of a really, you know, higher level of, of thinking and being so which is sort of an infinite source of of energy so that's one thing i do just to but i can still be tired after i speak so i'm big on a really clean diet like i just eat a real i'm the green juice girl i'm the i don't you know eat a lot of sugar i don't so how can people learn more about you? Um, you know, obviously, we'll, like, uh, let's know about our Instagram, our website, everything like that, because, you know, you and I got a chance to be able to spend some time together, and it is so incredible. I mean, outside of, I mean, you're, you're an incredible motivational speaker. You, you drive home so many points, and you come from angles that most people aren't looking at or looking for. And, but how can people get in touch with you and, and be able to truly connect? Because I think that honestly, like your the concepts and the way that you're the, the things that you're talking about, I really think can, can not only change people's mind and business, but can really change their lives. So how can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, they can, of course, go to my website, artistry of 
www.thecreativechange.com. And I have a quiz you can do to figure out your communication style. It's a free quiz, and especially as a servant leader. So that could be fun to do. If people uh, also, I have a YouTube channel, uh, just Carla Rieger, uh, and that's Carla with a C, and Rieger is R-I-E-G-E-R. And uh, there's a lot of little tips and tricks, and I have my own podcast called the Mind Story Podcast, and I get a lot of great people who come and interview with me, and I do a lot of my own tips and tools there. So, um, yeah, but email me, too. If anyone has any questions, uh, you can email me off my website, and I'm always happy to interact with people or on social media, of course, too. Well. I want to thank you so much because you are incredible. Um, what can people look forward to uh, with your talk at uh, Servant Leadership Conference uh, 2019? Well, what? hey, I'm looking at all these evaluations from this uh, conference I spoke at yesterday. I think what people love the most, in addition to the fact we have a lot of fun, is I really focus on the practical small takeaway that you'll remember to do and that's easy to implement and that you can inspire somebody else to use. Uh, if I make it things too complicated after 23 years of speaking, I realize people won't do it. So I keep things really, really like the little simple hacks as that you can do the next day you get back and get a huge result from. So I think that's what people can take away is a bunch of little hacks that they can use now. For the rest of their life, they're going to be a small drop in the bucket that's going to make a huge difference with it. Well, I invite every single one of you, for those of you who are out there, this is a Servant Leadership Institute podcast, and I would suggest uh, grabbing a hold of Carla, not physically, um, but I would grab a hold of her and spend a little bit of time because uh, her and I have got to spend some time in the last couple of weeks, and it's just not only is she one of the most amazing uh, inspirational and motivational speakers, um, but also people. I mean, when you get a chance to be able to know her, the laugh that she has and you know the story and the, uh, the story that she has throughout her life and, and how she's building people, I just think is so amazing. And I can't wait to be able to spend a little bit of time with you there, Carla. My dad is actually going to be in the audience. His name is Pops. Like people ask me his name all the time and I just say his name is Pops. So I want you to make sure. Can you say hi to Pops right now? Hi, Pop. There we go. Perfect. So my pop is going to be there. We're going to have an incredible time. What I've been telling you, if you're listening to the podcast now, uh, not only just to see Carla, but to be able to see uh, Ken Blanchard, to be able to see Habib Habib. I mean, some incredible speakers. I think some of the best speakers in the whole entire world. I believe that servant leadership is the future. Um, let's not get left in the past. Thank you so much again, Carla, for uh, spending time with us. And we really appreciate you and can't wait to see you at the conference. Thanks for having me. You got it. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Registration for our upcoming 2019 Servant Leader Conference is open. The theme this year is, are you able? It's a simple question that holds a lot of weight. Visit our website at www.servantleadershipinstitute.com to get all the details about how to register. Thank you once again for allowing us to add value to your day.